we've been in a series called The Blessed Life. How many of you here desire God's blessing? Who who here, right? I I, I desire God's blessing. There's nothing wrong with desiring God's blessing. Uh, And so we started this series last week called The Blessed Life. Life And so before I jump right into the message today, what I, what I want to do is I want to clarify a few things uh, just in case there was any question. Um, I want to identify really what this series is not, what this series is not. So sometimes within church circles, not all the churches, but a few churches, when it comes to uh, teaching or preaching about generosity, giving, uh, tithe, offering, money, uh, sometimes, sometimes the church can fall in these two extremes when it comes to talking on this subject. Uh, one extreme that we are not is we are not preaching or teaching what is often referred to as this prosperity gospel, a prosperity gospel. Now, there's nothing wrong with the word prosperity. It's just that there, there's a certain teaching that goes around where it basically says that if you, if you give to God, God's desire is for everybody to have big houses, nice cars, all the money you could ever want, and, and, but you got to give to God, and, and God desires for everybody to have that. And so what, what happens is it, it creates a bunch of consumers. So people are saying, well, I'm giving to God because God wants me to have the big house. God wants me to have the nice car. There's nothing wrong with any of those things, but that's not what we preach. We don't give to get those things. Because what happens is when you start to create that type of mindset, what happens for, for many people is they start to give, and they, it, it, when they give, it, it, it starts to turn God into this genie in a bottle. Where, where, where when I give, I am, I am now ordering God or commanding God to give me what I want. And so it creates a consumer type of mentality. And so we're not preaching that extreme of a prosperity gospel. The other extreme that is often taught in some churches is is that of a poverty gospel. And the poverty gospel is that in order for you to come into faith in Jesus, in order for you to truly live a life that is pleasing to God, you must take a vow of poverty. And so you must not get any type of success. You must not... uh, have any type of nice house, not any type of nice car, uh, and and you should feel bad uh, when you get a lot of money. That's a poverty-type gospel. We We don't choose or teach or preach that you must take a vow of poverty in order to serve God. Because what happens in that sense is that you begin to look down on other people who have been successful. You begin to look down on people who may have the nicer house. You begin to look down on people who may drive a nicer car. And you begin to say, oh, they surely can't be followers of Jesus. Look at the car that they drive. And so that's a poverty gospel. And so we don't, we don't, land on any one of those type of extremes, but, but what we do teach this morning and what we are teaching throughout the course of this series, what I like to call, and what is often called the provision gospel, meaning God will provide what you need. God will meet your need. God does not want you to go without God will supply all your needs. God will take care of you. God will uh, 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 keep you. He will will cover you. There is this this certain provision that God gives us, that God allows us to live in. And so that's the type of place I want to be. And I want to be in a place where God is providing for me. I want to be in a place where I am fully reliant on God's provision, where I'm fully reliant 
on God meeting my need. I'm fully dependent on him. And so that's, that's the balance that I, that I want to go with this series is that, is that, no, we're not trying to teach you to get all, all these different things and all the big houses, nice cars, all that kind of stuff. If you give, you're going to get all that. That's not what we're teaching. And we're not teaching to say, hey, man, if you're going to come to Jesus, you just need to just give away everything and, 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 and get rid of your house and, and don't get anything nice for yourself. And don't. We're not teaching that either. But we do believe in God's provision. I believe that God will meet our needs. How many of you agree with that this morning? I want God to meet my need. That's God's blessing. That's what I desire. That's what I hope. I hope that for my life. I hope that in my family's life. And so the blessed life is really about us positioning ourselves to be in the stream of God's blessing and what that looks like and what that means for us as a church. Last week, we opened up this series talking about this idea that, and this truth that, that, that giving and generosity is not so much a money issue, but it's really an issue of the heart. See, when we are born into this world, we are born with a sinful nature. And so what that means is we are born with a selfish heart, a greedy heart. But when we are born again in Christ Jesus, our heart is changed. Now we have a generous heart. And so our responsibility as Christians is to, is to renew our minds and renew our thinking so that our, our, our generous heart can get stronger, so that our generosity can get bigger, so that our giving can get bigger, so that when we give, we don't give to get. We give because we are grateful. We give just to give. We give because we know that is in our nature and that is who we're supposed to be, givers and generous people. And so that's what we want to teach here in this Blessed Life series. The first week was about the heart. It is an issue of the heart. And today we're going to talk about the test. The test. The Blessed Life ultimately boils down to one thing. Do we get this test right. I, I, I've never been one that has liked tests growing up in school. I was never really good at tests growing up in school. And the reason why I didn't like tests and the reason why I was never really good at tests is because I didn't always prepare the way that I should. Any other procrastinators in the room or former procrastinators in the room? Anybody else like me? Okay, it, it, I can be the only one. That's all right. That's all right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, 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 so testing was never good with me because I, I, I would always, I wouldn't be, I wouldn't prepare myself like I should. And so when the day of testing came, I would get nervous, palms get sweaty, and all these different things. And, and I'm like, oh my goodness, if only I had prepared. If only I had prepared. If only I had studied. If only I had done everything that I needed to do for this test. Well, today is preparation day for the test. Today is preparation day for the test. And you may say, well, what is this test? What is this test? Well, this test happens every single time you get paid. Every time you receive a paycheck, it is testing time. And like God's tests normally do, it really just stems off one question. Who do you give thanks to for your paycheck? When you receive a paycheck from your job, 
Who do you give thanks to? Who do you give praise to for the amount that you receive, for the increase that you receive? That is the test. And you may say, well, okay, well, that's fair enough. When I get my check, let me just thank God. Verbally, thank God for what he has given me. What's bigger than just a verbal declaration of gratitude? When we say we give thanks to God for our increase or for the check that we receive, or if you really want to know who you give thanks to whenever you get your paycheck, a true indication of your gratitude to whomever is who gets the first dollar of your paycheck. What's the first thing we spend on when we get our paycheck? What's the first thing we do with our check when we get paid? Hope I'm not losing you yet because it's a test. But I want to read a few things for you to kind of make this, help this all make a little sense for us as we move on. Malachi chapter 3, verse 6. Malachi chapter 3, verse 6. When you're there, say, I've got it. If you're not there yet, say, hold up, Chris. My phone is freezing. Malachi chapter 3, verse 6. If you don't have a Bible or any way to follow, you can follow along on the screen. Malachi 3, 6 says this. says, I, the Lord, do not change. Let me read that again. I, the Lord, do not change. Let me read that a third time. I, the Lord, do not change. I feel like he's trying to tell us something there, right? I don't change. I, the Lord, do not change. So you, the descendants of Jacob, are not destroyed. I love that that verse because he says, I don't change. That's why you ain't been destroyed yet. I don't change. That's why I haven't smashed you yet. That's why I haven't crushed you yet. I don't change. I don't change, so you descendants of Jacob are not destroyed. Ever since the time of your ancestors, you have turned away from my decrees and have not kept them. Return to me, and I will return to you, says the Lord Almighty. But you ask, how are we to return? Will a mere mortal rob God? Yet you rob me. But you ask, how are we robbing you? In tithes and offerings. You are under a curse, your whole nation, because you are robbing me. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be room enough to store it. I will prevent pests from devouring your crops and the vines in your fields and will not drop their fruit before it is ripe says the Lord Lord Almighty, then all the nations will call you blessed, for yours will be a delightful land, says the Lord Almighty. And so if you read the book of Malachi, the book of Malachi ultimately is about returning to God. It's about returning to God, returning to God in our faith, returning to God in our family, returning to God even within our finances. It's about returning to God. And so he makes this statement in this text He says, look, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse. And then he says, to test me in this, says the Lord 
Almighty. And so tithing in this time was a, it was an ordinance that was, that was set in place for the children of Israel. Now an ordinance is simply a, a, a mere principle. It is an ordinary behavior for the children of Israel. So tithing is an ordinary behavior that has been, that has been set in motion for the children of Israel. Not just the tithe, but the first, the giving of the first portion of your increase, the giving of the first of what you receive. And so what he's saying here, he's saying, look, man, this, this tithing, this ordinance that has been set out for you, uh, you've been neglecting that. You've stopped doing that. You stop moving in the ordinances and, and what I've instructed you to do. You, you stopped obeying me in that. And I love, I love the way he, he, he phrases the question in here, you know, well, well, will a man rob God? Like, what can a mere man do? How can a mere man rob God? Because, like, can a, can a man literally stick up God and say, God, give me your loot, give me your loot, give me the money? Like, you can't do that with God. But yet God says, yeah, but you know, you can't do that with me, but you rob me in your tithes and your offering. Well, what does all that mean? What he's saying is you've been, you've been withholding that from me. And because of that, you are robbing me. And so if you're taking notes this morning, I want you to take this down, write this down, because remember, You'll probably forget this by 7 o'clock this evening. By the, by, by the time kickoff starts, you'll probably forget all that was said today. So write this down. Put it in your phone. Put it in your notepad. Marinate on it for the rest of the week. I need you to take notes. Point number one, I need you to write this down. Tithing is a test. Tithing is a test. Remember, it's a test. Who are you going to thank when you receive your paycheck? Who are you going to thank whenever you receive whatever type of increase that you receive? That is the test. And the true question is, when you receive a paycheck, do you believe everything that God says? When you receive your paycheck, do you believe everything that the Word of God says? Do you believe that God's Word is true? Now, most of us in here would probably agree and say, yes, man, I believe the Word of God. The Word of God is true. Okay, well, can the same be said whenever you get paid? When you get paid, when you receive that paycheck, when that direct deposit hits your account, do you still believe the word of God to be true? And if so, what that means for us is this. A tithe simply means a tenth. It means a tenth. So when you tithe off your increase, you're given a tenth of your increase. When you tithe off your paycheck, you're, given a, 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 you're giving 10% of your paycheck. And so whenever that we say tithing is a test, it's really what do you believe? Do you believe, if you believe the word of God, do you believe that you can live blessed with the 90% that you have left? Or would you rather live with 100% without God's blessing? Like, do you believe God's word is true? Do you believe you can live with 90% of God's blessing? Or would you rather live with 100% without? It's a test. Tithing 
is a test. God is testing our hearts. He is testing our hearts. But not only is he testing our hearts, but this is the only place in Scripture where God says, not only am I testing your hearts, but you know what? You can test me in this. You can really test me in this. God is saying, test me. See if I don't bless you. Test me. See if I don't provide for you. Test me. See if I don't meet the needs in your life. And the reality is some of us have never tested God in this way because ultimately we just simply really don't believe it. I believe God for other things. I believe God for miracles. I believe God for salvation. I believe God for, for, for his promises. I believe God for what he says. But when it comes to my money, God, are you serious? 10%? Like, do you know what Uncle Sam keeps taking from me every single week? Do you know the bills that I got to pay? Do you know how much I love Netflix? Do you know how much I can't wait for Disney Plus to come out? Like, I'm so excited. I've already subscribed to it, and I don't even have it yet. See, we, 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 we love our money. We, we like and enjoy our money so much so that it blinds us and takes us off the fact, yeah, I, I know that money is necessary. Yeah, I really like money, but, man, I don't quite believe that what God said is true because he's asking for 10%. He's asking for a tithe. I'm just going to hold on to it, and I'm just going to trust God that he knows my heart. He knows my heart. And so tithing is a test. God is testing our hearts, but this is not only testing our hearts, but this is God saying, man, you can test me in this. <clears throat> now, something that, that, that people argue against a lot in regards to Malachi 3, he says this. He says, how are we robbing you in tithes and offerings? He says, you are under a curse. Now, you may say, well, no, well, if, if, if I'm not tithing, how can I be under a curse? Because didn't Jesus didn't Jesus take all the, the, the curse, the curse of sin and death? Didn't he take that all on the cross? How many of you believe he did that? Yeah. So, so, so Jesus took this, the curse of sin to the cross. You believe that, right? But do you still sin? No. Somebody said no. <laughs> he took the curse of sin on the cross, but yet we still sin. Right? He took the curse of sickness on the cross, but yet you can hear me this morning. I'm still sick. Well, what does that mean? Yes, Jesus took the curse of sin and death on the cross. And because of that, we have eternal life. Because of that, our eternity is set with him forever in heaven in the presence of God. But when we talk about the curse in our day and age, in our time now, a curse is simply this. A curse is a consequence for an action. 
It's a consequence for an action. In other words, though, though, though Jesus took the curse of sin on the cross, and what that means is I'm no longer living under the curse anymore, or you can say I'm no longer living under the law anymore because Jesus, it, it died with Jesus on the cross. Well, no, well, what that means is simply this. Just because Jesus took my sin on the cross and he took the law and I, I don't have to live under the law anymore, that doesn't mean that I can't, that when I steal from Chris, say I stole Chris's wallet. That's messed up, right? I steal Chris's wallet. Well, I can just boldly go with his wallet and say, man, it's all good for me. Why? Because I'm not under the curse anymore. I can't do that. Why? Because there's still consequence. But Jesus took that on the cross. Yes, he did. But there's still consequences for our actions. So when we talk about curse, we're talking about a consequence for our action. And so, will a man rob God? Well, you have because of withholding tithe and offering from me. You are under a curse. Meaning there's a, there's a consequence for not living under my blessing. Because if you're not living under God's blessing, then you're living under a curse. Tithing is a test. Tithing is a test. Say, tithing's a test. So now that we've established that, that it is a test, I hope that we choose to walk in the blessing side. Blessing, curse. Blessing, curse. Which one do you prefer? I prefer God's blessing. I prefer to live in God's blessing. And so now that we've established tithing is a test, and you may say, well, uh, I hear what you're saying, I understand that, and I get it, but, but I, ne- I need to see more because I, I'm not fully convinced yet. If, if, if tithing is a test, well, then I need you to tell me more because I need you to convince me more. Well, the second thing is this. If you're taking notes, write this down, number two. Not only is tithing a test, but tithing is biblical. Tithing is biblical. And I think that most people don't tithe Because some people just don't feel that it's biblical. Well, the Bible doesn't really say that. Tell me in the Bible where it says that we're supposed to do that. I'm about to. I'm about to. Genesis chapter 14, verse 18. Since then, Melchizedek, king of Salem, brought out bread and wine, and he was a priest of God most high. And he blessed Abram, which we know, Abraham, saying, Blessed be Abram by God most high, creator of heaven and earth. And praise be to God most high who delivered your enemies into your hand. Then Abram gave him a tenth of everything. So we see here Abram tithed. Abram tithed. This was 500 years before the law. This was 500 years before the law. In other words, what happened, something internally happened inside of Abram. Where he said, this seems like the right thing to do. And so he tithed to Melchizedek. He tithed. Why? Because God was good to him. And so he tithed 500 years before the law. Genesis chapter 28, verse 22 says, And this stone that I have set up as a pillar will be God's house. And of all that you give me, I will give you a tenth, a tithe. So we talked about Abram. 
Now we're talking about Jacob. This is 400 years before the law. So we see we're just, there's just something on the inside of them that is stirring to say, man, you know what? I'm so grateful for what God has done for me. I'm going to tithe. I'm going to give of a tenth before the Lord. Leviticus chapter 27, verse 30. A tithe of everything from the Lord, whether grain from the soil or fruit from the trees, belongs to the Lord. It is holy to the Lord. And so before you start getting off on, on, on tangents in regards to the tent, let's forget about the numbers for a moment. Though a tithe means a tenth, let's just, let's just forget about the tenth for a moment. Let's just establish the fact that a tithe, according to this scripture, is holy to the Lord. A tithe is something that is to be set apart. Something that is not to be spent on anything else, but it is separated for the Lord. It is set apart for the Lord. Deuteronomy 26 verse 1. I'm going to read a lot of scripture because I don't think you're fully convinced yet. Deuteronomy 26 1 says, When you have entered the land of the Lord your God, the Lord your God has given you as an inheritance and have taken possession of it and settled in it, Take some of the first fruits of all that you produce from the soil of the land the Lord your God has given you and put them in a basket. Then go to the place the Lord your God will choose as a dwelling for his name. Let's jump down to verse 13. Then say to the Lord your God, I have removed from my house the sacred portion and have given it to the Levite, the foreigner, and the fatherless, and the widow, according to all you commanded. I have not turned aside from your commands, nor have I forgotten any of them. I have not eaten any of the sacred portion. Remember that, sacred portion. While I was in mourning, nor have I removed any of it while I was unclean, nor have I offered any of it to the dead. I have obeyed the Lord my God. I have done everything you commanded me. Look down from heaven, your holy dwelling place, and bless your people Israel and the land you have given us as you promised to know to our ancestors, a land flowing with milk and honey. And so we see here that he is, he is separating. He is separating the tithe. He is separating what is holy. He is separating what is the Lord. And he says, I didn't touch it. I didn't touch it. Even when I was in mourning, I didn't touch it. When I, when I felt like I needed it, I didn't touch it. I left it. I set it apart. Why? Because it is the Lord's. I've set it apart for the Lord. And so forget the numbers for a moment. Let me ask you a question. Are you setting aside from your increase what is the Lord's? Have you separated what is the Lord's? But let me be perfectly clear, as I said last week, all of it is the Lord's. All of it is the Lord's. But all he's requiring is a tithe. Why? Because that is the test. That is where we say, God, I am thanking you for my increase. God, I am thanking you for the paycheck that I received. God, I am thanking you. For the job that I have. It is all because of you. It is all because of your grace. It is all because of your mercy. That's why I received the paycheck. It's because of you. You give me the strength to work. You give me the mind to have knowledge to be able to do the job that I've been called to do. God, it is all because of you. The least that I could do is set aside a portion for you. 
The least that I could do in my thanks and gratitude to you is not just tell you thank you, but to show you thank you. Separate what is holy to the Lord. Do you separate what is God? Do you separate it? Do you remove it aside? You know, for us, <clears throat> I'm grateful for digital giving because for us, we've, we've been tithers, tithers for a long time. It's been a part of who we are. It's what we do. Uh, we tithe. We tithe to our home church. I don't, we don't just tithe here because I pastor here. We've been tithing here for a long time. But one of the things that we've been really good at is that as soon as, as, soon as the money hits my direct deposit, as soon as the money hits the, the account, we get up that morning, and before I even get out of bed, I, I go straight to give my tithe. I, I, th- I, I text my tithe in. First thing we do is the first thing we spend. We don't pay any bills. We don't separate any money for anything else. The first thing that we do is tithe. Why? Because it is holy. It is set apart. And when I'm doing that, I'm saying, thank you, God, for the increase. Thank you for what you are blessing me with. But what I'm also saying is, God, I trust you. I trust you. I would rather live off the 90% of your blessing than the 100% without it. Because I believe your word. I believe what you say. And can I tell you something this morning? As I've said plenty of times before, we have never been without. God has always provided. God has always met our needs. He's faithful. He's faithful. And you say, well, that's Old Testament. That's so old. Show me something new. Okay. Jesus himself says that we should tithe. Where, Chris? Show me. I will. Matthew chapter 23, verse 23. He says, woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. You give a tenth of your spices, mint, dill, and cumin, but you have neglected the more important matters of the law, justice, mercy, and faithfulness. You should have practiced the latter without neglecting the former. And so now Jesus is talking to these Pharisees, and they were doing what they were supposed to do in regards to tithing. They were doing what they were supposed to do instead of, instead in regards to setting aside that which is holy to the Lord. But he's like, man, you should have also been paying attention to justice, mercy, and faithfulness. In other words, what Jesus is saying is, I want you to do that in addition to what you're already supposed to be doing. He says, I want you to do that in addition to your tithe. In addition to all that, don't neglect that. You're supposed to do that. You tithe. Jesus is acknowledging the tithe. He's acknowledging that that is something that we are supposed to do. And it wasn't that big of a deal. Why? Because it should have been second nature to them. And it's the same for us. Tithing, giving, generosity should be second nature for us. It's who we are. 
It's who we are. It's who God has created us to be. We are created to be just like our Father. We are created to be as generous as our Father. We are created to be have a heart of generosity and giving like our Father has. And so when we tithe, when we set apart, again, we are being more like our Father. Do you set apart that which is holy to the Lord? When you get your paycheck, do you set it apart? How do you give thanks to the Lord. Jesus himself acknowledged the tithe. Now, number three, I need you to write this down, and we're going to stay here for the rest of our time together. Point number three, write this down. Number one was tithing is a test. Number two, tithing is biblical. I showed you scriptures on there where tithing is biblical, but the third thing I need you to get and understand is this. Tithing is a blessing. Tithing is a blessing. In 2 Chronicles chapter 31, I need you all to turn there this morning because this is where we're going to hang out and this is where we're going to close. 2 Chronicles chapter 31. King Hezekiah, one day he's reading through the scriptures and just seeking the Lord on some matters. And Right now the children of Israel are, are going through what is called a recession. There's a, there's a tough economic time for them. But Hezekiah is leading them, and he's establishing some of the ordinance. He's saying, man, we got to get back to who we are. We got to get back to honoring the Lord. We got to get back to praising the Lord. We got to get back to establishing what is the Lord's. And so in the middle of the recession, the king is reading through the scriptures. In the Second Chronicles chapter 31, verse 4, Hezekiah reads about the tithe. He reads about generosity. He reads about giving. And in verse 4, he says this, he ordered the people living in Jerusalem to give the portion due the priests and Levites so they could devote themselves to the law of the Lord. And so Hezekiah, he's discovering tithing. He's discovering generosity here. And he says, I need you to give the portion due the priests and the Levites. In other words, I need to give a portion due the church. That's how, that's how you're going to tithe. You're going to give to the church. You're going to give to the priests and the Levites. Why? So they can devote themselves to the law of the Lord. Hezekiah recognized the fact that, man, and if we're going to be successful, if we're going to, if we're going to be, be uh, healthy and where we need to be, then we need to know what God says. And the, the priests and the Levites, they devoted themselves to learning what God says. I want to know more about what God says. And so when you tithe, when you give a tenth, give it to the church, give it to the priests and the Levites. And so he designated them to set the portion to the priests and the Levites. Verse 5 says, as soon as the order went out, the Israelites generously gave the first fruits of their grain, new wine, olive oil, and honey, and all, the fields, all that the fields produced. They brought a great amount, a tithe of everything. Say a tithe of everything. A tithe of everything. The people of Israel and Judah, who lived in the towns of Judah, also brought a tithe of their herds and flocks and a tithe of the holy things dedicated to the Lord their God. And they piled them in heaps. They began doing this in the third month and finished in the seventh month. When Hezekiah and his officials came and saw the heaps, they praised the Lord and blessed his people Israel. Hezekiah asked the priests and the Levites about the heaps. 
And Azariah, the chief priestess from the family of Zadok, answered, Since the people began to bring their contributions to the temple of the Lord, we have had enough to eat and plenty to spare because the Lord has blessed his people and this great amount is left over. Here's what's going on here. All right, they're in the middle of this recession. Many struggling financially. They're struggling economically. Hezekiah recognizes, you know what? We need to institute some things. We need to reinstitute some things. We need to reinstitute the giving to the Lord, the tithing to the Lord. And so he issues a decree, a command to tithe. Tells the people of Israel to tithe. And so they do it in the middle of a recession, in the middle of some tough economic time. They start tithing. They start giving. They start bringing the first of their increase. And so Hezekiah, along with the priest, they go and see what has been brought. And he's amazed. He's like, whoa, there's a mass abundance here. My goodness, they're giving, they're giving, they're tithing. Look at all this. This is amazing. But then Hezekiah thinks for a moment and he says, well, but wait a second. How are the people? Because I see what all was brought. And I know we're in the middle of this recession. How, how are the people doing? Because look at all that was brought. Look at all that they tithed. And the priest said, hold up, Hezekiah. Since you instituted this giving, since you instituted this tithe, the people have not gone without. Yeah, we're in the middle of a recession, but they tithed and they gave and they were generous. But they haven't gone without. Hezekiah, they're good. God has blessed them. God has met their needs and then some. He's met their needs so much so that the rest of the nation say, man, that is truly a blessed nation. But wait, they're in the middle of a recession. The economy's not good. It didn't matter. Why? Because they obeyed. And they set apart and they set a tithe. They set a portion of what was the Lord's. They weren't going to let a recession. They weren't going to let hard economic time keep them from setting apart what was the Lord's. And what happened? God blessed them. Tithing's a blessing. It's a blessing. And we wonder why these, these things are said. We wonder why God is so clear in the text. You wonder why God is instituting these things. Why? Because he wants to see where your heart is. He says, test me in this. Man, I want to bless you. I want to bless you. I want to provide for you. I want to meet your needs. But I'm, I'm telling you, test me in this. See if I don't come through for you. Set apart the tithe. Set apart that which is holy. God said, that's not for my benefit. That's for your benefit. Do you trust me? Do you trust me? And as I said last week, My hope for all of us here is that you would live under the blessing of God. 
but it's not just automatic. See, there's some in here that don't tithe, and this is not condemnation in any way. Please hear my heart on this. It's not that in any way. There's some in here who've never tested God in that way before. You say, well, yeah, I've tithed once before. It's not about the once before. It's about a lifestyle. It's about a lifestyle. It's automatic. To say, God, everything that I get, I set apart what's holy. I set apart what's yours. And this is me telling you how grateful I am to you. This is me telling you and acknowledging you, God, it is you that gives me this ability to work. It is you that gives me this increase, God. And this is how I say thank you. I don't do it out of obligation. Do it because I get to. I do it because I want to. But tithing's a blessing. It's a blessing. And so I challenge you this morning, Arise Church, members of Arise Church, I challenge you. If you've never started a lifestyle of tithing, if you've never done it before, maybe yeah, I've given here and there, I've given, I've tipped a little bit. Yeah, I, yeah, man, that really moved me, so I gave to it. I've done that before. Yeah, 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 yeah. That, that's great. Praise God for that. But if you've never, God, God is not testing you. God is not asking you to test him in that. He's asking you to test him in the tithe. 